When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good morning and welcome to Caucus. This is episode four. I'm Lisa Owen. It's Thursday morning. Uh, someone wears a watch. Guy, on what time is it? Well, we're heading to 9.35. What's first up on the Caucus agenda? Well, I think it's kind of been like the political version of the NBA draft this week. Everybody is picking their teams. Uh, Bill English, the Prime Minister, has said um, he picks the team he's already got. He'd like the Māori <laughs> Party and ACT and Peter Dunn to be on his team it's if all he's about- got the number. It's all about stability, Lisa. Let's hear what he said yesterday. We'll be seeking to maximise our party vote there and indicating to our supporters uh, that they vote for the uh, United Future, uh, the United and um, Act candidates. The there he is referring to is, of course, Ohariu and Epsom. It was the two almost like he of the forgot day. the name of the party. United, you know, United, you know, United Future. Yeah. But if you were Peter Dunn, I think you'd be pretty wrapped with this because I think, looking at the numbers alone, Peter Dunn needs a hand. You've got here, what, a 700 vote um, majority, which was pretty tight last time, and um, in a strong arguably a strong candidate from, from Labour. You the, think, trend, the trend is not his friend. The past few elections, his, his vote has been, the majority is getting, getting smaller and smaller. Indeed. What I do like about this is just a, just a bit more transparency. No cups of no tea cups of and tea. strange signals. Didn't that get John Key into all sorts of trouble? Now, it's a, it's a gerrymander, isn't it? it? It is a gerrymander, and we know that, but at least, oh, they're, at least they're being it's honest MMP. about it. I know we call it that, but it is MMP, and I don't think Dirty voters... Deals, Lisa. Dirty I don't deals. think voters are dumb. They, they're not dumb. They know what this is. They see what it is. It's, a, it's about getting extra points on your team, extra percentages on your side. And it is strategic, but people know, and I hate to quote David Seymour on this, but he says, you know, voters decide, and they do. They choose whether they want to split their vote um, to enable certain um, bigger parties to get, get their extra players And let's players not forget, in. this is happening across the political spectrum now, and it happened from yeah. day one when Jim Bolger pulled Mark Thomas from Wellington yes. Central to try to get Richard Preble over the line in the first MMP election in 1996, so it is not a new practice. No, and it, we're seeing that the Māori and mana parties uh, do the same thing and we will probably see to a degree Labour and the Greens do that. So, Well, they're doing that by not... By not um, Putting someone up against them—that's that's yes. that's the reverse, there are, but it's the same ends, it's, it's isn't it? it? I mean, but we do know that voters don't like this. The the, the surveys have shown, and and if you remember the MMP review, when was that? Twenty twelve, um, a few years ago. They, you know, the recommendation was that this coattailing, this lifeboat scenario, should be scrapped. You can lower the threshold potentially and get rid of this thing. Voters don't like it, but. I'll tell you what feels different this time is that the sense of dirty deals is less, I think, because these parties are so small now. It's not like, I mean, 
David Seymour Blessham is talking up, you know, <laughs> 2005 all over again. I'm going to get my 3.5% and bring in five MPs. But that's why people hated it. Yeah, that's they, exactly they, what people don't their like. Their caucus is smaller than ours. That's I mean, right. That's right. But that's why it's less dirty, right? Because it's just one person here and one person oh, there. Oh, yeah, but that adds up, doesn't it? And, and if it you've got United Future difference. and if you've got ACT and the Māori Party, they are hoping that that'll be enough to push them over the line. Yeah, it's the difference between being in or out. So while you say those parties are small, the difference they make is huge. Well, let's explain this just briefly because this is I think people do get confused about this, myself included. They, the, <laughs> the, the, the difference this makes is that you can go in your language, a bolt-on, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bolt-on. So you've got your percentage of the party vote and you, you get that proportion of MPs for, for National if they get, you know, 42 45%, whatever it is. But then if they get Peter Dunn's seat, they can bolt that on to their potential majority. The same in Epsom with David Seymour. So, yeah, it's... Um, it, it, it's it could it's be, the icing on the cake for them, Yeah, basically. and it could, it could be quite critical. Another but the part, flip side is that they are grace and favour parties now. They are, they are you know, their extension. Act and... Um, United Future are now basically um, part of the National Party. They are absolutely owe their careers to, to Bill English. They do. There's no doubt about that. Another party nibbling away at trying to get in is uh, top. How do you reckon they're looking, Tim? Well, look, talking to some of the people around that recently, I, <laughs> they're, they're growing online. They're getting, um, uh, Gareth's getting good turnout when he goes. Gareth Morgan, the leader, um, as he goes around the country, um, is getting good crowds. He's certainly, uh, their, their, their ethos basically is not hey tangata, but hey policy, hey policy, hey policy. <laughs> they don't want to get into the games and they, and they don't like this kind of stuff we're talking about. So they are standing candidates in Epsom and Ohio to try and, to try and expose this and say, hey, we're about policy. Um, I understand that Gareth Morgan is looking at, at Epsom, but it seems less likely than it did uh, a, a week ago. They've recently had a couple of new uh, people put their hand up to stand there. They've been vetted at the moment. Um, we, they don't know whether they will pass that vetting, and, and if they don't, then then I think Morgan's still got a good chance in the seat. But they do have some options now other than Morgan to stand up against Seymour and try and just mock him, basically. It's going to, that would be interesting if it happened because, I mean, Guy, and you spoke, uh, Morning Report spoke to um, David Seymour this morning, and I think he raises an interesting point. Epsom is one of the wealthiest electorates in the country, and he was basically saying, a voter's going to want a bar of a guy who's going to uh, tax all your assets or yeah, wants to tax true. all your yeah. assets, not Land just tax, your yeah. not just your house, but a few, you know, ideally he, he would like to... Um, if you got a nice boat, he, he thinks you should pay yeah, tax on yeah, that everything. as well. <laughs> everything, everything. But then on the other hand, David Seymour's in a relatively conservative electorate and he has this euthanasia policy, which he says is not an election issue, but I would think people will be in the back of people's minds. Yeah, yeah. But Epsom, he, he's done a phenomenal... I, I do a debate in Epsom for the past, I think, four elections, and so I, I you know, go back to Rodney Hyde and Stuart Nash arguing in those days, which was great fun. Um, but Seymour really has got... Epsom, he's earned it. To be to be fair to him, he has worked that Epsom, that electorate really hard. He's very popular there. Um, I don't see him actually needing the endorsement. Dunn definitely needs the help this time. Seymour's pretty solid. And Guy, and you raised the fact that it's really overt this time, the fact that there's, they're not mincing their words, the Prime Minister's not mincing his words, and I thought it really interesting that Brett Hudson, who is the candidate, the national candidate against Peter Dunn in Ohario, sent a text saying, 
I'm going to vote for him with my electorate vote, and I'm going to invite my family to to vote See, for him yeah. as well. And, if you're gonna, and I'm going to, but I'm going to party vote national. If you're going to do it, then at least be transparent. All in, yeah, they're all in. Yeah. Yep. Now the elephant in the room has to be in any discussion about politics at the moment is Matiria today. Um, Lisa, you see this spiralling out of control a bit. Well, I sort of think, oh, can you hear that sound? Is that a wheel dropping off? <laughs> I, I kind of do think this is the first, as a, observing this, it's the first time I felt that um, the Green Party and Matiria Ture has maybe lost control of the messaging that they were trying to get across here. And it's for the first time I think she is slightly more defensive in answering questions and the heat is coming on. Obviously, we now know she's meeting with um, uh, Wins next week and it's sort of been couched as a meeting to you know, learn how much she's going mm. to pay back. But do we really think that that's all they're going to be asking Well, they're in a about? tough position, aren't they? They're yeah. going to have to treat her the same as they would treat someone else who has potentially not told the truth to the department. Well, and, we say and, that every time a politician gets in trouble and the police... You know, record is every time the police decide not to prosecute a politician, people well, go, oh, tri- favourable yeah. treatment. So, so it's hard for them. Yeah, it is hard for them. And it is hard for them. Um, as Lisa says, it might not be uh, just about paying the money back. It might be, it might potentially be about laying charges. Well, what's, the rule? To... what's the rule going about convictions? Yeah. Because well, if you are important. convicted of a crime that carries a penalty of two years or more, then that is your political career over. It's mm. lights you, out, you're you, out. You cannot yep. stand for parliament if you've had that. Now, these are likely to be treated under, if they were to go forward as charges, under the Crimes Act, Crimes I think. Act. Yeah. And, yep. um, you know, so it could potentially be quite serious. We don't know the magnitude of the funding. And I think this gets back to what you were uh, saying before, Lisa. She seems to have lost control of it a bit as people dig down into the detail. But how could you expect not that not to happen when you raised it yourself yep. and you told uh, and invited people to use your story to let them look through the lens at the welfare mm. system. Are they not yeah. going to They've want got, to find more out is, about this it? This is the conversation they, they keep saying they wanted. They got this conversation about what the definition of a safety net is. Is the safety net the fact that you get the bare minimum and then you help yourself from there? Mm. Or, as they're trying to argue, the, the safety net should be the right to actually have... Participate a, a, Participate, a, to volunteer, to be part of society. And this to is to what campaign she, for political parties. And this is what you talked about with her on Monday. So, uh, Jeremy Roll. Over that period of several years, did you feel you had an opportunity to get some paid work to help you in that situation, or did you not have time? Uh, like like many others, um, my focus was on being the best parent that I could be for my baby and getting my law degree as quickly as possible. Um, I don't have, I didn't have at that time a very uh, good um, study history, if you like. I wasn't very good at it, so I had to work very, very hard on my law degree to get it. Okay. Did so you I stand sure for Did you I'd... stand for political parties yep. as a candidate in elections at that time? Yes, I did. I did. I had. I also had fun, like you other did, people did, do. You, stu- you stood for the McGillicuddy Serious Party at the election in '93, and you yep. went on to stand for the Aotearoa Legalised Cannabis Party in and campaigning for them in '96. That's right. I mean, I don't know. Did that take much time? Oh, it took a little bit of time, but this is the thing: people are entitled to have a decent life, and I want every beneficiary in this country to have enough money to have, be financially secure so they can pay their rent, put yeah, food great. on the table, and we, and but also, but no, actually they don't, and this is what we need to deal with. There's uh, Materia today from the interview I conducted with her on Morning Report uh, this week. I'm interested, though, too, in your views on how this is impacting on Labour. Yeah. On the yeah. Labour Party. There's nothing good about this for Labour. This is so. Greens keep saying they want to change the government, but all this stuff is doing is taking 
um, they are taking the left vote off Labour and they are making the right vote for Labour think, how the heck can we trust these two parties together to run the country? That is a real problem for Labour. Mm, I think swing voters, voters who maybe vote for Labour sometimes and vote for National sometimes, might be feeling a little bit uncomfortable about this situation. And I think you're right in um, how you think it might go for Labour, Tim. The thing I think is really interesting, um, Kitty Allen, who lives uh, is a Labour candidate and lives on um, the East Coast, Mike, my home patch. She started tweeting about this, and I think this was really interesting. She put out a five-part tweet, and some of the stuff that she was saying in that was that she agrees with fixing the law. She was talking around, um, you know, around beneficiaries and funding and what have you. Agree with fixing the law. Can't get down with condoning breaking the law, she said. Life, she described life as, quote, rough as guts for some people on the East Coast. So basically saying she understands what this is like, but went on to say Pandora's box, working out where to draw the line. Yeah, and she does not like the message that it sends out to children. She was saying in in that series of of tweets that she didn't like like the message that it was sending to young people. So that was interesting pushback, mm, wasn't it? It really is. And I think From she, people, it's someone who can really... She can say authentic. it. She yeah. can say it. She lives in a community where there's like unemployment of about 7.6% compared to under 5% in the rest of the, the, the nation. She can say that from a position of authority and a lived experience. She mentioned her nieces and nephews in those tweets, talking about the fact that, you know, if they're living below the poverty line, which she has indicated that some of her family has had struggles when we talked to her on The Nation. But she doesn't want them to think that that's okay to break the law. And as she said, she'll be she'll be right. Well, what do you take on that, Guy? Well, the Greens must be thinking it works for them, mustn't yeah. they? They, yeah. they are doubling down on this. They are going to, into Parliament uh, every day and asking questions and raising it themselves. <laughs> um, right. So they, they must be feeling it's working for them. But I, I agree with you guys that I can't see how there's anything much good in this for Labour because you're not talking about some peripheral MP, are you? You're talking no. potentially about someone who could hold a role of, what, Deputy Prime Minister, presumably, well, or at least Little, a senior Cabinet yeah. Minister. Yeah. So, <laughs> Minister and, of Social Development. And, and this, yeah. is a, this is a campaign, and it's now going to roll out. I mean, we are still talking about this yeah. um, days and days into this, and we've got a potential investigation to go forward. Yes. This is going to roll on for, what, a and couple neither, of weeks at least? And neither Andrew Little and Winston Peters, although, you know, with Winston Peters, he's got a foot in each camp, I think. Andrew Little won't rule out that she could be a Cabinet Minister, and Winston Peters is leaving the moral press to make a judgment about whether that would be appropriate. That, he's not commenting. No, he's not commenting. But it, it's it's interesting to they they the Greens have got their conversation right, so it is working for them. Oh, right, yeah. they're talking about the issues they want to talk about. It is it is energising their liberal urban base that you talked about last week, Guy. Um, and you, let's remember that the, those people we're talking about and that Kerry Allen is talking about in Poverty Day today are actually on average, technically doing it harder than, than Materia did well, in the it, 90s because it's got worse well, for, that's for, right. for beneficiaries. And the numbers, beneficiary growth, beneficiary incomes are, are on the down. Well, and the numbers came out exactly on that this week, which show in the household income report. This is uh, the report that Brian Perry does. Yep. It's pretty AKA much, the it, Perry report. Yeah, yep. it's, the, it's, the, it's the Bible if you want to know what's happening with incomes. I mean, this is Absolutely. serious work. He's been doing it for a long time. You can time. get your nerd on with this you report. You can, and <laughs> yeah. um, it's got all the and numbers we do. there. And we but don't. The, the yeah. number that was rightly picked up on, I think, was that for the, the poorest of the poor, and they talk about the bottom quintile, I think this is yes. the phrase that he uses, it, 
in terms of what they are paying for their accommodation, they are paying 51% of their money in accommodation costs, up from, I think, about 29% uh, in the late 80s. You know, that is pretty serious, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that, that that leaves you in a pretty tough position. The housing, the, the, the big gap we see, and let's let's be, be clear about this, because I know it drives um, a lot of us nuts that the people talk a lot about how, um, you know, poverty is getting so much worse under this government. The Perry report year after year has shown, um, as in the work of a number of economists, to be fair, um, that big big rise in poverty, late 80s, early 90s, um, and that it's been relatively stable since the Clark government brought in working for families. And, and That's right. Let's yeah. quote him exactly. There is no evidence of any sustained rise or fall in the before housing cost household income inequality in the last 10 to 15 or even the last 20 years. So uh, there it is on inequality. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, saying the rich are getting richer and the poor getting poorer. But in yeah. terms of income inequality, there has been no such rise. Here's the big but. It's the yeah. before housing costs that he's talking That's about. Right. And when you go to after housing costs, which Absolutely. is what we've been talking about, you've got real problems. And really, it's a bit unrealistic to talk about before housing costs, isn't it? Because we all have you to pay have a live. No, you've got to live somewhere. You've got to live somewhere. So, so, and, and it is true that for those people who are on those lower incomes, when you factor in their housing costs, things are pretty tough and getting a little harder. Getting a lot harder, I think. And when you drill down into his report, not only are they paying huge quantities of their income to rent, these rentals are crap, mm. basically. I mean, there was 110,000 kids in damp or mouldy houses, according yeah. to this report. 140,000 households said that they had problems keeping warm during winter. And I think the important thing to remember is this, with this report, it doesn't include people who are living in um, boarding houses or who are homeless. So there is another um, element, there's a slight element to this that yep. is missing. But the ones that we are talking about, the houses that they are living in, a lot of them are substandard. And so you've got a, your after housing costs, the income inequality is up in the past five years. But it's not its not huge, as some people would make out, but it is up. But what's interesting, Mick Thrashbrook, who, I, who does a lot yes. of work in this area um, and, and really is very data-driven, um, boiled down a, a really good piece yesterday saying... Um, even within that that quintile, it's it's not getting much worse. But for the bottom of that bottom, if you actually go yeah. that next step down, um, and and he made the point that that's because partly of the tightening of sanctions and the access to to um, to benefits is getting harder. And um, apart from the fact that of course benefits are adjusted by CPI and so don't go up as much as wages, and so the gap between mm. those working and those not working. Yeah. But the sanctions is interesting, given what the Greens are saying. This does actually play into the Greens campaign saying cut the sanctions. Yeah. That is actually hurting the very very bottom like five. And Labor does support removing. Um, some of the sanctions. In fact, um, the Act is, was in the process of being reviewed and they support removing the sanction regarding uh, not naming the other parent. Right. So the Greens are not alone in that. And at a time when we're talking about a lot of these people are on benefits and there is a, a tens of thousands of unemployed mm. in New Zealand and we're bringing in, well, a thick end of quarter of a million people in on work visas every year. Pretty interesting to me this week that um, a National, despite immigration being seen as a as a red-hot issue, and they'd made these tweaks saying that immigration was going to be tightened yep. uh, at the first sign of trouble from, from the farmers. And, yeah. and, and let's be fair, the hospitality and others as well. Yep. It seems yeah. like um, Bill English is backing off that. Is that a brave move, do you think, Tim? I think it's... Um, yeah, brave is one word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Pragmatic pra- is well, another. Well, it's, it, it also... Uh, I tell you what, what the problem for me is, I guess, is, is the wage situation. Now, it's what that... 
the code for me, I guess, is that is that employers and farmers and people who pay are saying it's too hard to find New Zealanders to get get those jobs. There is some definite evidence, I think, in, in the fact that when you're down to, to quite low unemployment, that getting those last few percent into jobs are difficult for all kinds of reasons. People are not motivated, people are not um, trained, are not able to actually know how to get out and get a job. But the, the other code in that is the employers and farmers pushing back on this don't want to pay any higher wages. Yeah. And high immigration... It doesn't necessarily steal jobs, but it suppresses wages. Well, let's look at the numbers. So what National had planned to do was raise the minimum median annual income for what they called skilled jobs. So if you wanted a dairy worker or um, something similar, you were going to, under these new rules, they would have to make 48859 bucks a year, which would be, works out at about $23.50 an hour which is where you're probably getting the pushback, as you rightly identify. They don't have the money or don't want to pay um, to meet that benchmark. And it wasn't just, obviously, the farmers, as, as Guy and said, this service industry, but also the um, Christchurch Mayoral Forum said that they are, you know, their city literally is being built on the backs yeah, of but, um, immigrant labour. But isn't it interesting, though, politically? We were told or led to believe the narrative was that um, in the regions there was going to be this real uprising against immigration and, and Winston Peters was going to ride around the regions telling them how terrible it all was. But, but the regions are saying we need these people. <laughs> That's right. Um, and, and, and we're and different the, to Auckland. We're different to Auckland yeah, is what they're saying. There you are might two, not want there them. There are two even, stories here. Even yeah. Winston Peters believes that you know you've got to allow these people to come into the regions i mean he he's not he's pretty much on side with bill english on this isn't he oh no i reckon he's sort of snorting and snuffling and sort of clustering around on the fence um (laughs) i I think he's making all the right noises he's on a regional tour at the moment talk a lot about immigration recently i just wonder whether he thinks he's he's got that that brand in the the bank and he's um he's moving on there's an interesting graph that that is on the the rnz website at the moment on the uh, slice of heaven um podcast page the series that Noel McCarthy, we're playing on, um, uh, it's on iTunes, go and subscribe, um, that shows the relationship between um, spikes in immigration to New Zealand and New Zealand first in election year. And basically they track pretty darn mm. close to each other. Mm. In the election years where net immigration is high, New Zealand first does very well. So just he has that issue mm. in the bank. Yeah, and what are we at, 72,000 or yeah, something? But so, yeah, but I'm going to raise you a couple of graphs yes, here, Tim. Go. Let me raise you a couple <laughs> of graphs here. Yeah, I'm going to outgraph you with the help of Statistics New Zealand. Um, when you look at those years, so in the last sort of three or four years when the immigration numbers were, are really taking off, peaking at, a, what was it, about 73,000 for the last for the last year, 72,300. So if you look at them, um, our growth is strong during those periods of time with high immigrant numbers. Inflation is relatively low during that period of time. So we're talking about kind of good economic times that are associated with that with that growth and people coming through as well. And I think this is part of a bigger issue because last week we were obviously talking about alternative budgets and what have you with Labour. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the fine print of that, it's all premised, the spending is all premised on um, growth rates of around 3.2%, 3%, 3 3.2% and a little bit higher, which is driven, and, and Treasury has said this, it's, it's underpinned by 
immigration, mm. bringing these people mm. in. I haven't got any flash graphs, Aww. so I'd like. <laughs> to, I'd, I'd like to uh, before before we leave it. I'd like to talk a couple more points about Winston Peters. I wonder whether this talk of him being prime minister. I wonder whether that's starting to get to him a little bit. I wonder whether he thinks that that might not be doing him any any favours, and he's pushing back a little. It's bit mindless about, speculation, about guy. Mindless speculation mm. by unethical and unprofessional commentators like oh I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Caucus. Caucus. Um, he's. I, I, look, I, I think you've. I think you've. You've hit something there. I think it's quite smart observation. That is, um, Winston works as um, the uncle, right? He he works as the fun uncle. But if he's actually the the mum or dad who's actually trying to make the hard choices, yeah. if he's actually in prime ministeria locus, then he is actually responsible and people will start to look at him in a different light. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting too that this week he tried to head off uh, at the pass any talk of protracted negotiations yeah. post-election, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't think he wants to spook the horses. No, you know, so he I set mean, a date, right? He yeah, set a... He, he, it's basically three weeks, three weeks after the election. He's saying you get a government yeah. in three weeks. There'll date. be no eight-week fishing so, yeah, so once they confirm the list of people who have been elected, um, he he says that'll be the time when he decides which which um, group he's going with. But yeah, we remember the days with people trotting down. The, I think it was in Tauranga, running down the end of the pier as he was getting onto a fishing boat. To, <laughs> Come you know, back, Winston. Two two off somewhere. You know, holding us holding us all to ransom while we were waiting for for some kind of result. And I think he wants. Well, he's portraying um, a reasonable, reasoned. Um, approach and not sort of uh, saying that I'm going to keep you all dangling. I'm just not sure that the the voters are, are really want this kind of mind shift. You vote for Winston to keep the blighters honest, but if he's one of the blighters, yeah. then then does do people start to look again at the big two parties and go? He wants to be the rogue outlier. The grown ups look back at the grown ups, yeah. you know, um, and and we have to start treating him like a grown up. Where is costed policies? Where's New Zealand's first list? When you know where where is the stuff that that are twenty you know if he's saying well, he's a twenty percent party just ask him to you get a straight answer. <laughs> you guys you guys get to do that. Yeah, exactly. And that is the perfect place to leave. I throw to you, Tim. You can tell us all where we're supposed to get our podcast. From. I can. Hey, thanks, guys, um, for your work this week. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to our engineer Jeremy Ansell. Thanks to Copra Audio who made our theme music. Uh, please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but it only takes a couple of seconds to click subscribe, rate us and review us while you're there. If you enjoyed this, please do look at our other podcasts. Um, and uh, we will see you next week for Caucus with Guy and Tim and Lisa. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.